we're here to help the earliest stage brands, the emerging brands, right? And we play in that space because that's the future of the industry. And when we're thinking about the future, we need to be able to meet the need of that future. So this program is really important in a lot of ways. Yes, again, sort of authenticity of bringing the minority-owned founders to participate in that growth so that they don't get left behind. But simultaneously, it's also creating opportunities to build profitability for the future if the consumer preferences are shifting in that way. Welcome to the Brands for a Better World podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories behind people and products, building a more just, healthy, and regenerative future for us all. Tune in weekly, and together, we'll learn why these better products and brands were created, how they're helping fix broken systems, and what you can do to support them. My hope is that you'll discover some new brands to love and get some sparks of inspiration that will help you live your best life. Hi, I'm your host, Gage Mitchell founder of Modern Species, a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow to scale their impact. This podcast is one way we do that. If you like the show, please help it grow by leaving ratings and reviews on your podcast app and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. Maybe this will be one of them. This episode is part of a 2023 impact-driven gift guide series where we're digging deeper into some of the impact certifications we chose to feature in this year's guide so you have a better understanding of what they each mean and how they're helping make the world better. To get your copy of the gift guide, go to modernspecies.com backslash gift guide. This episode's guest is Katrina Tolentino, Executive Director of Naturally Network, and we talk about the minority-owned fellowship, how it works, why it's so important to support minority entrepreneurs, and some of the other things Naturally Network is doing to help lift up the industry. We then wrap up with a fun gift theme rapid fire question segment. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Katrina Tolentino. I am the executive director of Naturally Network. We are the largest membership organization convening and supporting the natural products industry. And we are now serving almost 38,000 across the country. 38,000. That's amazing. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show again. For listeners, you can take a look back in our archive and find a previous episode with Katrina, but have you back this time specifically to dive in a little bit more around the minority-owned fellowship, which we're featuring in the impact-driven gift guide, because if we're trying to purchase things that make an impact, obviously we need to support diversity in various ways. So we've also got women-owned, we've got minority-owned fellowship, we've got fair trade and all these things that kind of support a more just economy, lifting people up that have maybe been held back in many ways throughout their career or journey or because of the broken system. So we're excited to feature some of the brands in your fellowship in this guide. But for people listening, I think they might want to know a little bit more about this movement and why it's important. So let's just start with the basics. What is the minority-owned fellowship and what does a business need to do to qualify? So the Minority Owned Fellowship Program is a 12-week sort of CPG business foundations program. It's really geared for the earliest stage founders. So we're typically looking for companies that are at least 51% minority owned, companies that are under five years in existence, and a minimum of $10,000 in revenue for the last 12 months. So really, the requirements are pretty low. We're really trying to identify and find as many people as we can to support, even regardless regardless of whether they get into the fellowship program. And what I love about the fellowship program is that 
there are three sort of classes and class styles that are really meant to activate the community. So the fellowship is both education, but also facilitated networking. So the education is being taught by experts in the community. So they're meeting resources while they're learning. And then one of the other ways that we're doing that is through fireside chat style hours with industry leaders. So typically it's people that if you're newer to the industry, you may not think you have access to them, right? So we're bringing them in to talk to the fellows and they are telling their story. They're sort of creating and sharing insights from their journey that fellows at this stage can really take advantage of. And all of this culminates at Expo West. So what we're really excited about is we're providing access to the industry virtually, but at the same time, we're culminating at this major trade show where we're bringing all the fellows with us. And there's a tabletop showcase that happens. And then we're also inviting the industry to come and support them, learn more about them and help them succeed. I love that. And I think at this last Expo West, there was both kind of a series of talks around this, but then also kind of an aisle dedicated to collecting a bunch of these minority-owned brands all in one space that you could kind of visit them as a group. Is that going to be the same thing this upcoming year? Yep. We are going to be hosting sort of breakfast style events where the community can come and meet the fellows. Uh, there, there's 16 in the program in one of our meeting rooms. And it's meant to be a casual event. You know, they're there to really sort of talk to the founder, learn more about the brands. And then we have everyone from retailers, investors, to industry leaders, other founders coming to visit them. So again, really facilitating the relationship building piece. Nice. I love it. And it's so great to see it. I feel like it was a big presence at the last trade show and hopefully a continuing growing presence because let's be honest, this industry, (laughs) all industries probably, but especially this industry needs more minority ownership, more representation from different cultural backgrounds, from different genders, different everything. Because like many industries, the kind of old white boys club took over and, and that's where those people had more of the opportunities and more of the privilege to get into this space. And we're trying to correct. We're trying to get back to some level of equity in this industry. And I think programs like this are really doing a lot to help move the needle in that direction. Yeah. And this is really personal for me. I mean, entrepreneurship changed my family's life. So I know how transformative that can be for future generations. And the fellows that are in the program, I mean, really, this is the future of the industry, right? There's Nielsen IQ data that talks about by 2060, every other person in the country is going to be a person of color. And so I know that 2060 sounds far, but the consumer preferences are already shifting. So this program is really important, yes, for diversity on the shelf and sort of leveling the playing field. But at the same time, it's actually also an incredible market opportunity. Because of the consumer preferences shifting, the fellows that are in the program, they see that firsthand. They are those consumers themselves. So they're creating products and solving problems and bringing that to the market. And so really, we're building the industry of the future through this program. And in just the last two years, we've served over 100 founders. So we're really excited about that. We're seeing a lot of momentum. And the fellows that are in this cohort are just an incredible group of people. I'm just so impressed by the passion and the product. And I think that even for me, the first time that I saw a Filipino product on the shelf that was better for you, that wasn't filled with chemicals, that was super exciting. And and my dad, he was also excited to see that because even the older generation is starting to think about their health, which has been a long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you nailed it there that it's not just about 
creating more equal access for entrepreneurs, which is important because as I was kind of alluding to, for example, access to funding, like most funding goes to white male founders, right? It's much harder for women to get funding. It's harder even there for a minority and a woman to get funding, right? So trying to increase access, increase awareness, create opportunities is important, but it's also about the food on our shelves, right? If people don't see their culture represented in the grocery stores or when it is, it's just garbage food with terrible ingredients or something like that, that's not really helping anybody. And even if you're not from that culture, how for me, like it's exciting to go to a grocery store and see food from all these different cultures around the world and experiment with my own cooking. But especially if I was like from that culture and I don't get to have my foods in the grocery store that I shop at, that's got to be frustrating. You know, you get to a point where you're like trying to hunt them all down and in specialty markets or online, which can be difficult at times. So I think it's equally about the opportunities and, and leveling the playing field a little bit, but also just about like, let's diversify our grocery stores, right? Yeah. I mean, we're really serving the needs of the future, right? And But the future is really now. I mean, all of the growth in population is coming from multicultural groups, all of it. And then there's now major cities that already have much larger minority communities that is much larger than the white population. And so some of these cities are becoming big centers of not just innovation, but kind of a cultural influencers in a lot of ways. So that's been very fun and interesting to see. And I also think that it's one of the most authentic things that we can do to create that diversity on the shelf to meet the needs of the consumer that it's minorities that are doing that. So that's also one of the things that's really important from an authenticity perspective. Yeah, absolutely. If you just leave it up to Kraft or General Mills or something to try to fill all the gaps, they're just going to look at existing market data and not see the actual pain points often of like what the real people on the ground need and are looking for because, you know, they're just looking at these big chunks of macro data and they're like, oh, people want more Cheetos. So let's make six different flavors of Cheetos, right? But it's like, well, maybe, maybe that's not what the world needs, right? Yeah. Maybe the world needs like, Agua frescas on the shelf. Like maybe there's some basic things that are just missing that we should be filling the shelves with, not 10 other flavors of something that people already have too much of. And that's actually <laughs> a really great point. I mean, big CPG is absolutely already shifting products to meet that consumer preference shift, right? And so I would hate for us to not take the time to bring minority owned brands as part of that growth. You know, again, I think it's one of the most authentic things that we can do. Yeah, that makes sense. So as we've been discussing, obviously, supporting these minority entrepreneurs is important. It's important for the world, all the consumers out there who are missing these products. It's important for the industry. It's important to help lift these entrepreneurs up. But why is it important to naturally network specifically? I mean, I think it just goes back to being authentic. And we're here to help the earliest stage brands, the emerging brands, right? And we play in that space because that's the future of the industry. And when we're thinking about the future, Again, going back to the data, we need to be able to meet the need of that future. So this program is really important in a lot of ways. Yes, again, sort of authenticity of bringing the minority-owned founders to participate in that growth so that they don't get left behind. But simultaneously, I think that it's also creating opportunities to build profitability for the future. If the consumer preferences are shifting in that way, 
but the founders aren't on the shelf. The products aren't on the shelf. That is a missed opportunity for the industry. So I think the role that Naturally Network in place to help foster that is to really elevate the message around that, that this is an incredible market opportunity and that we want to support our minority founders in helping to shift that in, for the future. Right. Because it's both an immediate need, like we need more of these products and more of these founders right now, but it's also that need is going to just continue to exponentially grow yeah. over the coming years, as you mentioned with that 2060 stat, right? The need will just deepen, right? We're just scratching the surface of that need. So I think the opportunity will continue to grow. Speaking of which, I feel like based on this, just thinking of this conversation of where the future is going, I'm excited to see what the grocery store of the future looks like. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> right now there's like, Often in some of the bigger chain grocery stores, there's like one aisle for like ethnic foods or something. And you're like, really? Yeah, this which one? One aisle <laughs> grocery store. Like, where did all this other food come from? It came from yeah. some culture or some whatever. So it's like very segregated into this like one little aisle where they've deemed this the non-mainstream food or something like that. And it's like, come on, this is all just good real food. Why don't we just spread it out through the store and diversify the whole store, right? Well, and I think what's interesting is that consumers have become so much more adventurous, right? So even the shift in preferences isn't just with minority consumers. It's widespread, right? And music and food is blending together. There's a lot of opportunity in those types of collaborations. There's certain, you know, there's cultures and and just different things that are being highlighted and elevated. And if we're not all over the store, we're still not serving the consumer as best as we can, right? Because the consumer is so much more adventurous. So I think that there's a cross-pollination of culture and ideas. And I think the consumer is really excited about that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly how that will, will shake out, but hopefully the ethnic aisle won't be just one aisle. I mean, again, which ethnicity? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. You know, maybe there's a future where the whole store has all the diversity of the different products, or mm -hmm. maybe we end up going back to some older days where you'd go to like five different stores instead of one major grocery store and you go get your meat over here and you go get your yeah. like noodles over there and then you go get your veggies over here or something like that. Like yeah. maybe that's one path forward for the future. But yeah, it's like when I have to go out shopping and I stop at like literally th like three or five different stores to complete my list. That's difficult, right? So it'd be nice if we combine convenience with diversity of products. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we featured a handful of the minority-owned fellow brands in the guide, which is exciting. So people will be able to find some examples there. But where can listeners go to learn more about the fellowship, find all the brands that have gone through the fellowship, and dig deeper and support those brands. Sure. If you had to www.naturallynetwork.org forward slash the letter M, the letter O dash fellowship, you'll find all the details about the fellowship, this year's cohort, and then um, last year's impact report. So again, I think it's important that we're we're including as many people as possible. And so if you are called to support this program, we'd love to hear from you whether you'd like to speak or provide a grant. I think that it's important that we are including the community and the industry as part of the curriculum. Love it. And we'll put that link in the show notes. And, you know, we briefly started talking about Naturally Network a little bit, but 
I know Naturally Network also does a lot outside of this one minority-owned fellowship, right? You've got a lot of things going on. So let's talk about that a little bit for people who are newer to the Naturally Network story as well. So can you talk briefly about your other core programs and offerings? Naturally Network has three key priorities. One is we are a chapter-based organization. So we now have 10 chapters across the country. So if you are in one of those cities, we'd love to have you plug in and connect with your regional community. Our other two strategic priorities are creating more access to the industry. So whether that's retail or with investors and sort of the best practices that funnel up to getting on the shelf and staying on the shelf. And then the third thing is really developing future leaders. So moving more, you know, really highlighting conscious business values and practices and making sure that we are creating a sustainable and high impact industry. And we're able to do that when we're working with brands, especially at the earliest stages to really help educate them on what that looks like. And then we have a ton of events. So even in 2022, last year, we hosted over 170 events across the country. This year, you know, I think we'll be closer to 200. We've got about 15,000 people attending events nationally. So these events are educational, they're networking. We have topic themed style events like our Women in CPG Summit. We also have a ton of cohort style opportunities where we're creating that access to the industry. So for example, you know, in the last couple of weeks, the Supply Side West show just happened. And so our members are able to apply for a scholarship to go to that show. And we're in partnership with Supply Side West where, you know, we're providing travel stipends and a badge to the show. And we're also connecting that cohort with resources on the ground, right? So again, not just networking, but really that facilitated relationship. So we're doing a lot of those types of activities. So I think if you're new to the industry, this is a great place to start. Think of us as the front door. We're here to welcome you and sort of help you navigate where you need to be. That's amazing. I know most of your events happen through these local chapters, like you were mentioning, but I think some of them happen virtually, right? Like the yep. Women in CPG, I think was virtual, or at least it had an online component, right? So if somebody's not near a local chapter, how do they plug in there? Like, is the best path into Naturally Network just through their local group? Or is there like a, a national membership if you're not in a city that has a chapter? That's a great question. So there are a ton of virtual events as well. And I think that's actually, you know, the virtual and in-person component and the chapter model is one of the things that makes us really special. So going back to the Women in CPG Summit, we're able to kind of have this national conversation online, but then you're able to activate in the regional communities. So absolutely, if you're, you know, if you're local to those chapters, definitely plug in that way. And if you don't have a chapter near you, I encourage joining as a national member. You can do that individually or, or as a corporate member. And we also have a lot of other programming that if one chapter is hosting a virtual event, you have access to that. So you don't necessarily have to be in Chicago to go to a virtual event in Chicago, right? And there's more chapters coming. We have an application process that we kick off at January of every year. So we'll have several cities actually joining us for the 2024 application process. And and then we'll typically approve one or two in late Q3 or Q4. So this past year, or this year, we just actually approved naturally New England, which we're really excited about as our 10th chapter. They'll be Boston based at first, and then they'll be kind of moving through New England to create more centers of gravity. So lots more coming up. I know that there's a lot of energy in the Pacific Northwest, in Atlanta, in Florida, in Phoenix, and you know tons of other places. You never know where we're going to be in the next few years. 
Yeah, and I know there's definitely here in the Seattle area a lot of movement around building a local chapter as well. So that's always exciting. And I try to go and support wherever I can. But for those who maybe don't know if there's a hub building and maybe want to start their own, what does that application process look like? Yeah. So really the application process walks you through standing up a chapter. So we don't go into a community to tell it that it should be one. We really want the leadership in the community and the community to come together to decide that it wants to become a chapter. And so the chapter application process walks you through how to stand that up. Essentially, we are helping to create momentum for membership, for the fundraising that needs to happen to support that chapter locally. The application process supports standing up a board, creating board leadership to really lead the chapter as it's launching, right? And so it can take one year, it can take two years. And so the reward is that the chapter gets stood up at the end because you've already gone through the process. And you're also plugging into other leaders that have gone through that process. So there's a lot of support for people that are interested in starting a chapter. So I'm sure we'll have a chapter info session coming up here pretty soon and happy to to send over more info on that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool that there's some info sessions. So anyone listening, obviously check out the Naturally Network website for more information about some of those info sessions or, you know, find a local group near you. Of course, if you've got one, participate in that community or the virtual events. So lots of ways to engage. I love it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So Again, we're kind of promoting the impact-driven gift guide. And while we have intentionally didn't call it the holiday guide because we know gifting happens all year round and all these gifts aren't you know necessarily seasonal, you can give them for birthdays and other things. But you know we are heading into the holiday season right now as we launch this gift guide. So figured a little holiday-themed rapid round could be a fun way to wrap up this conversation. Oh, you mean the tough questions, the tough questions of <laughs> yeah. this podcast. The fun <laughs> questions, the fun but hard questions. <laughs> Get personal instead of business. So let's just dive in. So what's your favorite type of gift to receive? Oh, food, hands down, anything I can eat. I mean, I'm just, I'm a big <laughs> eater of things, right? And so I think a lot of people know that. And so I'm always happy to receive things that I can eat, gluten-free, of course. <laughs> nice. Of course. So everyone who's got Katrina on their gift list, gluten-free. <laughs> yeah. That's a good note. Yeah. I, I feel like people know me for food as well. So I'm always getting food gifts, but especially spicy food. Like people know that I love spice. So I'll often get like hot sauces or I'll get oh yeah spicy this, spicy that or whatever. So it's delicious. I can't help it. It's amazing. So what's your favorite holiday of the year? Oh, man. You know, I I feel like Thanksgiving and and December really, right? Like November and December, just that period. I just love that season because people are just in a good mood and there's lots of breaks that we can take after a long year. Uh, So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily one specific holiday, but I love that time of year because people are more generous. And I think our surroundings are also just more cheery, right? So I think that's probably a good time of year for me. Yeah, it's like when the season's changing and you get to hunker down, put some lights up, maybe put some fires in the fireplace or whatever, but... I like to actually put a fire on the TV. (laughs) Yeah, it's fire TV, totally. But it's not like the dull winter yet where you're like, oh my God, I'm ready to get out of this. It's like, oh, it's the exciting time of (laughs) of the colder season, you know, hot chocolate and stuff instead of like, I wish I could see the sun again. So, I I can see that. (laughs) Gage, I think you're really... Speaking to where where you're currently living. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, compared to a lot of people, I'm totally fine with clouds and rain, et cetera. Like I grew up in Colorado. 
super sunny all the time. I'm a pale redhead. That's not a great place <laughs> for me to be like sunburn central. But here I can actually live like a real human being and go outside and not have to worry about the sun all the time. But I know a lot of people suffer through the cloudy winters here. The sads. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what they're called. The sads. Yeah. I think most doctors here tell people like, you have to be on vitamin D supplements <laughs> if you're going to live here <laughs> just to like get through some of that seasonal change. For me, I'm fine. I'm a redhead. I make plenty of vitamin D <laughs> or, you know, absorb what I need. But what I do miss is like, I don't love cold, you know, so I, mm -hmm. I like getting out of the super cold season. All right. So, where do you like to go to shop for gifts? I actually really like to go to the farmer's market because there's just a wide variety of things. And I love to talk to the local vendors. And I think when I'm giving a gift, I really want to be able to impart that story as part of that, because then it's also an opportunity for that person that's receiving that gift to continue supporting that vendor. So I think the farmer's market for me is definitely one of my favorite places to shop. I mean, you can get charcuterie, cheese, candles, even socks, right? So I think that that's a, <laughs> it's a really one-stop shop sort of, you can find something for everyone on your list. That's cool. I don't know if I'd seen socks at the farmer's market yet, but there probably is. I'm sure at like Pike Place Market, there's a sock oh, vendor I'm sure socks somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but down in Olympia, since I moved down here, they've got a, a decent little farmer's market, but it's definitely nothing as big as Madison or Seattle. So I don't think I've seen socks yet, but I do find all sorts of other fun products there. So that's a good call. Yeah. If you're out there listening, we need socks. We need socks at Gage's Farmer's Market. Yeah. More socks vendors at Farmer's, farmers Markets. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. So if you could give only one gift to everyone on your list, what would it be? This is the tough one. This was a tough question when I, when I saw this in my email because the answer is cheese. So it's actually not that it's <laughs> tough. It's just that I feel like maybe it wasn't an inclusive answer because what if you can't eat cheese? But I think most people on my... Now there's lots of vegan cheese. So I don't know. I think that it's a great answer. I'm sticking to it. Cheese is one of my favorite things in the world. And I feel like everyone on my list would be quite thrilled if I gave them a block of cheese. Yeah, especially <laughs> some really good cheese. I think, you know, the inclusive side, like as long as you're not dairy-free and have nut allergies, <laughs> then you're probably yeah. good because I think both the non-dairy ones are, are nut-based yeah. that I know of. Yeah. And I think when people come over to my home, you never leave empty-handed. You know, I'm, I'm in CPG, right? Working with thousands and thousands of brands across the country and sometimes they send stuff and I love to share all of those things because I want people to discover some of the amazing products that they haven't heard of yet. So that part's fun. So cheese and the generous samples that I'm sometimes sent. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's one of the reasons I chose to work in the, the food <laughs> slash CPG industry is because of the samples, you know, going to the trade shows, getting to like try all these amazing foods, but also just talking with awesome people and getting some sample boxes to try the products for the podcast or whatever it's. It's it's a lot of fun. So I'm the same way. I've got like if people come over, I'm like, oh, have you tried this honeycomb? Or oh, you should try this chocolate. Or I've got these protein powders. You should give them a shot. Or have you had these mushroom supplements yet? <laughs> I'm just always yes. handing stuff out to people. <laughs> I'm on a mushroom kick right now too. I'm looking for a new mushroom coffee. And then also just this week, I mean, shout out to Good Donuts for sending me those amazing donuts and lolies for those probiotic salad dressing. I'll be making a salad for dinner. <laughs> Nice. 
Yeah, it's there's you know privileges of working in this <laughs> space. That's for <laughs> sure. So you heard it. Send Katrina and I all the samples, and we will make <laughs> sure we try them and other people try them. See, it's a win-win. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to have people over for dinner. I'm going to be sharing my salad dressing. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So since this is the impact-driven gift guide that we're talking about this season. What does impact-driven mean to you? That's an interesting question, right? I think that being impact-driven is you see a problem that you can solve. And sometimes it could be a very specific, narrow problem. But I think what's amazing is that brands, they can see that problem, right? They can they feel called to define solutions or participate in the solutions because it's very values-driven. So I think that being impact-driven is whatever the problem is that you can find to solve, I think it's something that anyone can can participate in and take action on. So I think that it doesn't have to be that, you know, a big company that they're best suited to be impact driven, right? I think individuals at, at, at any given point in time can be impact driven. So I love that question because I think that if we think about all of those small actions, they can absolutely compound. So even at the earliest stages, when brands are thinking about some of the values that they want to see in their company, right? What they're really starting to think about how they live that as they grow. I just love to see that because they're participating in solutions. And I think that participation is necessary for change, but it's also just really inspiring that someone can see a problem and, and want to make a positive difference there through their business. Absolutely. Yeah. I think business in general should by default be about solving problems, right? Because if you're not solving a problem, then what is the business at that point? <laughs> like mm-hmm. You're just kind of yeah. this optional thing. It's going to be hard to sell it because you don't even know who you're selling to or why they want to buy it, et cetera. You're creating community really, right? Yeah. You're creating community exactly. because your supporters, your customers, you know, they want to help solve that problem with you. Right. Yeah. It motivates everyone to want to grow your business because if you're solving a real problem, then everybody wants you to succeed. So it's a good exactly. business tactic in general. But if you take that lens, you're also hopefully going to make people's lives a little bit better. Yeah. And then I like your note about the values too, because of course, beyond solving a problem, there's also like how you operate the business and how you treat your employees or which people you're choosing to help with the problems you're solving and so on and so forth that all kind of tie back to the values typically of the founders, but then eventually get instilled into the company in general and hopefully shared throughout the company. So solve a problem and, you know, live by your values. That's great. Yeah. And to be honest, my point of view is that I don't think companies can really not be impact driven anymore. I mean, consumers demand that, right? They want to align their dollars and what they do with those dollars with companies that that serve that that value. Right. And so I also love that because that's a big shift. And personally, for me as a consumer, I mean, I'm spending way more money on my essentials because those things are important to me. And so I think that alignment between brands and, and consumers exists. And I love that there are so many brands in the natural community that are that are impact driven. And so that that's very motivating for me in my role to support and serve them as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that this industry, the natural kind of product industry, went from being this weird niche kind of subculture to the companies that are driving real growth in the industry, right? Yeah. And it's because yeah. these companies are the ones currently paying better attention to the actual problems out there that need to be solved instead of, again, just 
innovating for the sake of innovation. Again, like I've picked Absolutely. on like Cheetos before, but it's just like, there's all these examples of these companies that like their core product doesn't really need to exist in the world. <laughs> like it's not making anything better. Maybe it's a little satisfying, but it's not like making you healthier. It's not like, <laughs> you know, treating <laughs> know, farm workers better say- or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just love a cheesy puffy thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it but, does but help there's me some better brands, right? There's some better <laughs> there's brands. Definitely out better there. brands, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that people need a crunchy, you know, delicious thing. Yeah. I actually have some cheesy jalapeno crunchy puffs in my cupboard right now. But I guess the point is that instead of just thinking like, what's the new flavor or what's the new, you know, brand partnership, like, why not think about like, well, what would actually make this product not just delicious, but actually good for the people eating it and good for the people making it and, you know, good in general. So that's what I love about this industry. It's like, we brought that to the mainstream and now it's driving pretty much all the growth in the industry. It is a very generous industry, right? And I think that generosity, you can really, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about, right? You can see that those values in action. And I love that about this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm somewhat wishing we would have recorded our fun conversation before (laughs) I started recording, but maybe we'll do that in a future episode. We'll just have like a B-roll of all the fun chats or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. The B-roll of how we want to come back as our dogs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Getting old, come back as our dogs, all those fun things. So, Well, it turns out we both have knee problems. We learned that yeah, together that today. Too. See, we're basically <laughs> the same. We love food, have knee problems, want to come back as a pet. I love it. Sounds good. <laughs> but again, thank you for doing all that you do to support the community and help move the industry forward into the future. It's always fun to chat with you and I'm honored to help promote some of these minority-owned brands and Naturally Network in general. So thanks for carving out some time to help spread the word. Yeah. And thanks so much for having me and always appreciate all the support. Cheers. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the minority-owned fellowship, Naturally Network, or Katrina, go to naturallynetwork.org. To get your copy of the gift guide, go to modernspecies.com backslash gift guide. If you like this show, remember to help us grow by liking, reviewing, and sharing. If you're new here, don't forget we have over 100 episodes in the archive. Some might be called Evolve CPG, but it's the same show, so dig in for more goodness. If you consider yourself an impact-driven professional, join me over at impactdriven.community, where we're supporting each other's growth as impact leaders.